Father, we come before you in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. And Father, it is always special to gather at the end of the Lord's Day, to end our day gathered together as God's people under your word, being conformed to the image of Christ by your spirit. We ask now that you would open our eyes. And as Moses said, let us see your glory. Let us behold this holiness of yours, God, as best we can. Holy Spirit, only you can give us those eyes to see, the hearts to feel, the minds to understand, the words to hear. And so we ask now, in faith and expectation, Holy Spirit, do a work in us and among us. I pray that the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The holiness of God. It is a daunting thing to try to prepare a message on a topic that I don't think anyone feels equipped to speak on. Moses had to take off his sandals before a burning bush because God had shown himself there and it was holy. And so as we attempt this evening to look into God's word and explain as best as human language can the holiness of God, I just want to make sure that all of us are prayerfully understanding that it is a it is sacred ground to be to be where we're trying to tread this evening. So often we barge into the presence of God thinking he's just like us, but he's not. He's God. He's holy. He's, we're going to see what that means. And so I just encourage myself and I encourage all of you, let us not be so quick to just barge into the throne room of God in our prayers and in our, in our devotion time reading and in our corporate worship. We don't need to be scared we, in the sense like he is our father. and He welcomes us, but he's still God. And there's a certain reverence and heart posture that needs to be in place because he is the holy God. And so what do we mean by that word holy? What does the word holy even mean? The word holy literally means separate, to be set apart. And so as we talk about the holiness of God, what we are saying is that God is completely separate, completely set apart from everything and everyone. He is distinct. God is in a class all his own. There is no one, no created being, no created object that can share that space with God. He alone is the holy God. So I think the best place to, to really see this as we begin this journey is to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is when God calls Moses to himself. He appears to Moses at the burning bush. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, 
God answers a question that Moses had posed. Moses, before going to, to free the people in Egypt, says, who should I tell them you are? God's answer, verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. God is be, because God is holy, because he is set apart, because he is distinct, his very name tells us there is nothing by which God can be compared to or referenced with. I am, I could say, I am like my brother. We look similar in some ways. I am like my father, not God. God says, I am who I am. I am unique, distinct, and set apart. There is nothing and no one like me. His very name communicates his holy nature. But it's not that God is simply set apart from us, distinct from us. It also points to the moral perfection of God. To his very, to his purity. God is free from all sin, free from all wrongdoing. And this attribute of holiness is of the utmost importance because it kind of describes every other attribute of his. It's not that God is love. It's that God is a holy love. It's not that God is justice. God's justice is a holy justice. It's a holy jealousy. It's a holy omnipotence. All that God is, is holy. And so this evening, we're going to go and I'm going to be honest, I hope you have a pen with a lot of ink because you're going to be scribbling a lot of references if you're a note taker. Um, because there's so much to understand in scripture. It speaks so much to this very thing. And so when we say God is holy, we're saying that God's nature, his essence is holy. And the first thing that means is that God is perfect. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Verse four. The rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are just a God of faithfulness without injustice, righteous and upright is he. He's perfect. Do you realize as a human being, you can't even perfectly understand the word perfect? So you can never and I can never actually fully, truly, completely understand that God is perfect. The best we can say is that he's not like me. In Isaiah chapter 6, one of the most powerful pictures, the prophet Isaiah finds himself before the Lord. We'll read the first three verses. In the year the King Uzziah's, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, "Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. Perfect. Set apart. Think about it. Angels, right? Beings that we would worship have to cover their faces in the presence of God. They cover their feet in the presence of God because God is perfect. He is holy. And he's, he's uniquely holy. The holiness of God isn't a shared holiness. It's unique to him. Listen to Exodus chapter 15. Verse 11. Who is like you among the gods, O Yahweh? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? He's uniquely holy. If all of the angels in heaven were to be put together, they could not even come close to the unique holiness of God. Or Psalm 77, verse 13. Oh God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? Or Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. To whom then will to whom then will you liken me? That I would be his equal, says the Holy One. This is why it's such a sin to create an image of God. This is why God says, do not make anything in my image. Because the minute you try to make something in the image of God, you have essentially diminished the holiness of God. You have likened him to a corruptible being. God is uniquely holy. He's nothing like us at all. We can strive to be like him, but he is not like us. And with that, that means God's name is holy. And a name means the essence of your being, who you are, right? A name, right? If we were to think of, of in American history, the Kennedys, there's a certain reputation and history that's wrapped up in that name. God's name, who he is, is holy, is pure. Listen to the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 21 through 23. Ezekiel 36. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says Lord Yahweh, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that am I about to act, but for my Holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you have come. I will prove the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am Yahweh, declares Lord Yahweh, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. All that God is, all that is wrapped up in his name, all of his wondrous deeds 
all that describes him is holy. It is otherworldly. It is set apart. It is distinct. It is free from any type of moral sin and corruption. This is why we do not take the Lord's name in vain. To take the Lord's name in vain is to not render his name as holy. Psalm 33, verse 21. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Psalm 33, verse 21. Or Psalm 97, verse 12. Be glad in Yahweh, you righteous ones, and give thanks for the remembrance of his holy name. How often do you think about the holy name of God? It's not cute when a little kid says, OMG. It's blasphemy. It's not carrying God's name as holy. I used to work in the city, and every time something would go wrong, this one lady that I worked with would say, oh, my, the Lord's name. It was just annoyingly rubbing on me week after week. So finally, one day, a sale went bad. I, I hung up the phone, and I just said, Oh my, and I shouted her name. And she looked at me, wait, what? What happened? I said, I thought when we were upset, we just shouted people's names because you shout God all the time. She looked at me kind of bewildered. She's like, that's not funny. I'm like, I know. You're disrespecting the name of God. She's like, well, I don't believe in God. I'm like, he doesn't care if you believe in him or not. We can't be careless with the name of God, both in word and deed, because his name is holy. We must accurately and properly Represent him. Listen to Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the one, high and lifted up, who dwells forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on high. I dwell on a high and holy place. And also with the crushed and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the crushed whose name is holy. All that he is, holy. And so because God is holy, he's perfect, Before, because he's uniquely holy, because his name is holy, that means that the dwelling place of God where he resides is holy. If God appears at a bush in the backside of a mountain and that ground becomes holy, then Obviously, wherever God chooses to dwell is holy. Again, I, if we looked at Isaiah 57, seven, uh, 57, verse 15. I dwell in a high and holy place. David's palace was regarded as holy. Why? Because the presence of the Ark of the Covenant was there, which represented the presence of God. How about Psalm 2, verse 6? Psalm 2, 6. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. 
The mountain of God is holy. Or Psalm 3, 4. Just, you can walk through the Psalms and see this. I was, ca- I was calling to Yahweh with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Psalm 5, verse 7. But as for me, in the abundance of your loving kindness, I will enter your house at your holy temple. I will worship in fear of you. Psalm 11, verse 4. Yahweh is in his holy temple. Yahweh's throne is in heaven. Psalm 15, verse 1. Oh, Yahweh, who may sojourn in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy mountain? I'm being redundant because most of us are spiritually hard-headed. We forget that God is holy. We will leave here and by night's end, conduct ourselves in a manner as if the omnipresent God is not holy. Psalm 20, verse 6. Now I know that Yahweh saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with his saving might of his right hand. And we can go on and on. But that, I hope you guys make this connection. That means the church is holy. Not the building necessarily. The people of God collected, saved by his blood. The church is the dwelling place in which God lives by his Holy Spirit, which means the church is to be holy. Listen to the book of Ephesians here, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. In whom the whole building, being joined together, is growing into a holy sanctuary in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The dwelling place of God is to be holy because he is holy in his very essence and nature. That means all of us gathered here this evening as a church are to be marked by God's holiness. This is why it is an abomination for a church to entertain people by riding a motorcycle up into the sanctuary. This is why, in my firm conviction, we have to be, pastors have to be very careful to not go up and preach in a football jersey. Because this is the dwelling place of God. We come together to worship a holy God who has saved us through the blood of his son. And so, therefore, as we gather as his church and dwelt by his Holy Spirit, holiness should mark all that we are and all that we do. We're not called to entertain goats. We're called to worship the one true God who is holy. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 19 through 22. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... 
by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see the cleansingness there? The being made holy so that we can enter into the holy places. We have been made holy, set apart by God and for God because he has washed us and cleansed us through the shed blood of Christ so that we may enter into his holy place, into his holy presence. In the very Bible, the last chapter ends with this very truth. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 19. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city. Where God dwells is holy, and we will dwell with him in holiness in the world to come. That has serious implications of how we conduct ourselves. Especially if we also realize the fact, not only corporately, but individually, it says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so if where God's presence dwells is holy, we must ask the question, do we live holy lives befitting the presence of a holy God? That's heavy. That requires some serious reflection and repentance. We don't get to live in a holy place. We don't get to just be holy on Sundays and Wednesday nights. The entirety of our life and being must be holy because the holy God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. We saw passages in the Old Testament. Who is holy like this God? Should people not then look upon our lives and say, look at those people. Who is holy like them? Should people not see a marked, set-apart, distinct difference in everything we think, say, do, and desire when they ask why? The answer should be yes, because we're followers of Christ, but also that answer should be because God is holy. We don't... Christ saved us, but... That's not why we live holy lives. We were saved unto this holiness. We were saved to be holy. If the world asks, why do you do what you do? Because I'm a follower of Jesus. And so what? That doesn't really answer the question. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means to be holy because God is holy. He lives in us. God's holiness is also revealed in the righteous things that he does. The holiness of God is revealed in his righteous acts. Listen to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 16. But Yahweh of hosts will be lofty in judgment. And the holy God will show himself holy in righteousness. 
in the things he does. All that God does is holy. You thought about that? Everything God does in his sovereign will is holy. Now that's going to push the boundaries of our understanding because God controls all things. So let's just take current events. God's righteous activity is holy in ordaining what is happening in the Ukrainian conflict. God is holy in that activity because he has holy redemptive purposes. Listen to Psalm 77. Verse 13. Oh God, your way is holy. Well, God is great like God. What's the most horrible thing that's happened that has made you question the goodness of God? Now I want you to look at that situation again and understand that in doing that, God is still holy. It's perfect. It's free from moral sin, failure. It wasn't a lack of insight that God allowed that to happen. He had holy purposes to that horrible thing that happened in your life. That horrible thing that has happened in my life and the horrible things that will happen. It doesn't mean that God is not holy. It actually means that he is. All that he does is holy. Listen to Psalm 145, verse 17. Yahweh is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Everything he does. We have to come with, to grips with this as a church. We can't just glance the, over the parts we don't like. This is why worship songs are so important. Because sometimes you hear things to the effect of, that's not what God wanted for you. God sees your suffering and he doesn't want it for you. No, he's righteous in Allah ordaining that suffering in your life. And it is holy that he's doing in his holiness. We need to get past this Jesus is your boyfriend sappy worship music. And we need to come back to Worship that shows the character and nature of God and his holiness needs to be front and center. When's the last time you sang songs or heard songs on the radio that the central focus was God being holy? Most of it is how much he makes of us. Which brings us actually, I'm jumping ahead here, sorry. We're going to look at how God's holiness affects worship. But I want us to see he's holy in all that he does. If you were to go to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. This is Daniel's prayer, and listen to verse 14. Therefore Yahweh has watched over the calamity and brought it on us. For Yahweh our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done. We have not listened to his voice. Then you look at verse 16. 
O Lord, in accordance with all your righteousness, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. The calamity that befell on the people came from the righteous holiness of God. God was holy and righteous to bring that upon Israel. It is God's holiness displayed when he allows nations to be toppled. If it be because of sin. He is righteous in everything he does. Really, really, really need to spend our more time focusing on that. Because that's the only way we can have a proper perspective in the world that we live. Most of the time we doubt God is because we've lost sight of his holiness. But God's holiness, now let me jump to where we were going a second. It affects how you worship. It affects how you worship first in the holiness of God must be celebrated in your worship, in our worship. God's holiness must be a part how we worship him. Listen to Psalm 99, verse 5. Exalt Yahweh our God and worship at the footstool of his feet. Holy is he. Exalt Yahweh our God, worship at the footstool of his feet. Holy is he. Central parts of the worship happening there. Or Psalm 29, verse 2. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of his holiness. How many churches in your lifetime made this made the worshiping of the splendor of his holiness a central focus of the worship gathering. Even our gospel proclamation in our worship of the gospel is so much he died for me. It's all about us so often. But it says here that we must ascribe to him. We must worship his holiness. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless Yahweh, all my soul, in all that is within me. Bless what? His holy name. When was the last time you blessed God for his holy name? God, thank you for doing that thing for me. Thank you for giving me insight here. Thank you for the wisdom there. Thank you for working this situation out. Not those things are wrong and bad to thank God for. When was the last time you just said, Lord, you are holy? Your name is holy, and you you just spend time there. Psalm 145, verse 21, continues telling us that we must celebrate his holiness and worship. My mouth will speak the praise of Yahweh, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's be celebrated and worship his holiness. 
Now, here's part of worship we don't think about enough. Preparation. Do you prepare yourself to worship God? Coming before a holy God in worship should require preparation. The Puritans used to really used to spend that Saturday night, the, the night of preparing their soul to come before him. Listen to Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Hold on, Moses. Prepare yourself lest you come in here and be dealt. Nadab and Abihu, right? They didn't worship God according to his holiness. And they were put to death. God's telling Moses, remove your sandals. This is holy ground. Prepare yourself to enter into my presence. Psalm 24. Verses 3 and 4. Who may ascend into the mountain of Yahweh? And who may rise in his holy place? He who has innocent hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to worthlessness. And has not sworn deceitfully. You have to prepare yourself, it says here, before coming. These things cannot be true of you. You must have these things put away. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, not just an Old Testament thing. Every week at the outpost, we take communion. Listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. But a man must test himself, and in so doing he is to and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body correctly. To come and worship God at the Lord's table and to ask him to nourish our faith but to not have prepared and tested yourself, examined yourself, repented of sin is to bring judgment potentially upon yourself. It's a serious thing. Because at communion, our soul is lifted up. We are in the very presence of Christ. The spirit unites us. We're fed, spiritually nourished. But if we have not tested, examined ourselves, and rid ourselves, and confessed, and repented, then we are entering into God's presence, sitting at God's table with dirty hands. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near, right? With what? With a sincere heart. And full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We do not have the freedom to simply worship how we want. They must prepare ourselves. We worship a holy God. Therefore, we must prepare to be holy before him. God is holy. And this next point, I think, is one of the major reasons there's such an, the churches seems to be so ineffective 
God is doing a work, but I think we can all admit that there's an, we're not as effective as we think we should be or we could be. Why? Because God's holiness is to be seen in his people. God's holiness is to be seen in his people because he lives in his people, right? God's people are to be holy because he is holy. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. A holy calling. What's God's will for your life? People ask that all the time. Real easy answer, first and foremost, to be holy. You're so, you know, I remember being a youth pastor, so worried about what's God's will for my life, which college you go to. It don't matter what college you go to if you're going to be unrighteous and not going to be holy. God will be pleased with every college you go to if you're pursuing holiness. In Matthew chapter 5. Verse 48, chapter 5, verse 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect. You are to be holy for your heavenly father is perfect. I used to get in trouble a lot as a kid. And I would often hear, you were raised better than that. You don't see your father doing that. It's the same principle. Our father in heaven is a holy father. We are his children, therefore we should bear his resemblance. We are to be holy as well. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You know, one of the things I really hope that we realize this evening is that we're reading so many verses about holiness. The reason it's not so central in our life and not such a focus in our life isn't because we can't find it. Maybe it's because we just want to quickly get read over it. I just need some application. Tell me what to do in situation here, in this situation, in that situation. We're so worried about wanting to, for moral reformation in our lives, but there's so little, you want the application of life, wake up every day and say, how can I be holy today? It's all over the scriptures. This was so convicting to, to be working, putting this message together. This was every page just slapping you, slapping you, slapping you on every page. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ, called as saints, holy ones, with all who in every place call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. The word saints means holy ones. Corinth was a really messed up area. Lots of sexual immorality and perverseness. And Paul is saying, in the midst of that crooked, perverse uh, culture, you are to shine as God's holy ones, as his saints. 
My holiness should be evident in your lives. When Moses was in the presence of God and he came down, what did everybody notice? He was shining. The glory of God was upon him. If we are to be in the presence of God in prayer and the word, should his holiness not be shining off of us in a very visible manner to others? Years ago, I remember gathering with some men for a sporting event. I was a new believer. Men I highly respected at that time. Still do. And the humor in the banter and the comments, and I was like, I'm a new believer. I'm expecting that like everybody is going to just be all about it. And I was so taken back. There was a lack of holiness there. Of course, as a new believer, I was very judgmental. Didn't take very long to realize I wasn't doing much better. That holiness must mark his people. You realize the world can't see God. God is a spirit, right? They can't see him, but they can't see the conduct of his people, of his children. What do we proclaim about who God is if we have lives marked by unholiness? Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, for what? That we would be holy and blameless before him in love. God, before creating time, chose you, chose me for a purpose to be holy and blameless before him in love. When I think of what he did to call me unto himself in the sacrifice that was made, it's a deep conviction that I'm not living up to that calling. I need to repent of that. I need to obediently submit unto the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can bring about that holiness in my life. Which leads to this next point, becoming holy because God's holiness is seen in his people. Becoming holy means striving after God. You don't become holy by osmosis. It doesn't just happen. Nobody drifts toward holiness. It involves rigorous pursuit, discipline, grit, Resolve, intentionality. You need to burn the fat off your soul in the pursuit of this. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. 2 Peter 3, 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are looking for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Be diligent. To be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Do we have that diligent pursuit in our life, in your life? What are you pursuing more than your, than your holiness? I've said this many times, especially to men in discipleship groups. The greatest gift 
that you can give your wife, your children, your family, your friends, your local church, your community, the world is your personal holiness. Because when you pursue your personal holiness, God becomes evident in you. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilements of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If you brush your teeth every day and you shower every day, why would you try to cleanse yourself from sin every day? We have to be striving for this church. I have to be striving for this. I had an, an older man who's been pastoring about as long as I've been alive saying, the church needs more of your holiness, not more of your exegesis. If you have to pick one of the two. He said, in his experience, pastors sometimes spend far too much time in the study and far less time in pursuit of holiness. And so we have really smart, unholy men leading churches. If you ever want to pray for me, pray that God would do anything it takes to keep me striving after holiness. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Lay, to lay aside in reference to your former conduct, the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new man, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. God is holy. His holiness must be evident in his people and his people must be striving unto that end. And as we talk about all this, it's important to understand that the holiness of believers, your holiness and my holiness originates in that it comes from God. You cannot pursue holiness apart from God. If you try to pursue holiness on your own, you would just become an unholy legalist. Holiness originates in God and it is given to us from God. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 9. Yahweh will establish, establish you as a holy people to himself, as he swore to you. If you keep the commandments of Yahweh, your God, and you walk in all his ways. Church, I will give you a promise right here. If you resolve to know the word of God, apply the word of God, and live out the word of God, God will bring about holiness in your life. You don't have to worry about how do I become more holy? You have to worry how to become more obedient to God's word. And he will bring that holiness about. A child needs to just trust a mother to nurse the child. And as the child trusts, the mother nurses him and the child grows what? In health and wellness. Grows healthy, stronger, bigger. The child doesn't say, I got to figure this out on my own, mom. Well, the child entrusts themselves to the mother. The mother nurses the child unto health. We entrust ourselves unto God and his means of grace, and he brings about that holiness in our lives. 
it originates from him and he's the one who does it for us. First John, wonderful book. And listen to what he says in first John chapter three, verses one through three. See how great a love the father has given us that we would be called children of God. And we are for this reason. The world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been manifested as yet what we will be. We know that when he is manifested, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so we strive. We strive according to the power of the Holy Spirit. We strive in accordance with God's word. We entrust ourselves to him. He who is holy will then make us holy. As we are made more holy, the world will see God's people as holy. As the world sees God's people as holy, they will know that God himself is holy. And his holiness has to touch every area of our lives. Personal and corporate. Holy thoughts, holy deeds, holy words, holy desires, holy actions, holy playlists, holy Netflix accounts. Why? Because he is holy, holy, holy. It's the only attribute of God that is three times repeated in Isaiah 6 and in Revelation. Holy, holy, holy. It's as if like you really need to get this. Never you see love, 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 mercy, 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 just no. holy, holy, holy. Because if we don't understand the holiness of God, then we don't understand God. Because God is holy, that means he cannot have sin in his presence. He cannot. Listen to what it says in the book of Habakkuk. Chapter 1. Verse 13, Habakkuk 113. Your eyes are too pure to see evil and you cannot look on trouble. His eyes, think about this. The Lord is so pure. Because I can't even look at that. You know what's so convicting about that? Because I had to ask myself, okay, I am being renewed into the image of Christ. Am I training my eyes to be so pure that they wouldn't look on evil? How does a holy God have relationship with unholy people? Amazing question, right? His eyes are too pure to look on evil. How does he do it? Because even though God is holy, God is, has a holy grace, a holy love. And God desired a people for himself. And so he sent Christ. You want to know what holiness looks like on earth? The life of Jesus Christ. Christ lived the perfect holy life we could not live. And he died the death and sustained the wrath of God that the unholy deserve. So that his holiness then, by faith in him, would be credited 
to us, imputed to us, his righteousness, his holiness, his perfection. And then because of that, when he rose from the dead three days later, showing that his death secured what it would, showing that he had defeated the power of sin and death. So when the father looks upon us now, who by faith are in Christ, he sees us as holy. He sees us as being as holy in Christ. And now we are progressively in this life being sanctified unto that holiness. That is why a holy God can have relationship with unholy people. Because he sent his holy son to take our place. Knowing all this, I want to encourage all of you and myself. Because God is holy, that means that daily we must depend on him for the necessary forgiveness of our unholiness. In a great place to see how a holy God deals with one of his children is Psalm 51. So I'd encourage you to read Psalm 51. And we see David there, a man after God's own heart, truly born again, and yet grievous sin he approached, he appeals to God's, this holy God, and he asks for forgiveness and receives. I want to encourage you, God's holiness shouldn't keep you from him. God's holiness should be what it's, what's attracting you to him. God's holiness will keep away the sinner, but God's holiness will always be attracting the saint. So with that, let's close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you that you are holy, holy, holy that you are high and lifted up, that your throne is holiness, Lord, that your dwelling place is holiness, that you are on Mount Zion, Lord, in heaven. We thank you, Father, that though you are holy and we are not, you have made a way for sinful man to be made right with holy God. And now you call us your saints, your holy ones, your set-apart ones, because of the perfect holy life of your son and his substitutionary death and resurrection. Father, give us a hunger, a passion, an obsession to understand more of your holy nature. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us in all that we are, that we would strive after this holiness so that your holiness would be evident in your people. We ask that our worship would be marked by holiness. We ask that our worship would be elevating your holiness, Lord. Father, my prayer, I desperately desire for myself and for everybody here is that as Moses came down from meeting with you and your glory was shining off him, that each day as we meet with you in your word, that your holiness would mark us be shining off us, Lord, and that it may be evident to others. First and foremost, because we seek to please you. And secondly, because we want others to be attracted to you. Father, call a people to yourself. Call the lost to yourself. We pray that we would be used by you, and one of the means would be the holiness in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.